1: This is the Art of Charm. Learn everything you need to know to crush it in business, love, and life. Today we're talking with Bill Kasky and Brian Neal. They run a podcast called the Advanced Selling Podcast. And I know what you're thinking... I'm not a salesman, I don't need this. We're actually gonna talk a lot about the quote unquote inner game mindset, so that sales top salesmen are better at sales and in life and in everything they do. We're gonna talk about the differences between persuasion and influence. We're gonna go through a communication checklist that involves the philosophy of which words you choose, something called detachment, and how that relates to outcome independency, which actually makes you more successful. So, in other words, not having a goal, or at least not having the goal in mind, can actually make you more likely to achieve that goal. We're also gonna give some serious role play airtime, which is kind of funny, and we're gonna give some examples that amateurs say and do when they fail to implement these skills. So you're gonna wanna be on the lookout for any examples that sound remarkably like yourself. I know I found some stuff in there that I can use as well, and that it definitely sounded like back in the day. So with that, welcome to The Art of Charm. I'm Jordan Harbinger. The Art of Charm brings together the best thought leaders, teachers, and exceptional individuals to teach you how to be a top performer in life, love, and at work. Imagine having a mix of experienced mentors teaching you their expertise and packing all of their research, testing, and lessons into a curriculum. We may not have all the answers, but we definitely have all the questions. Make sure to stay up to date with AOC and get some great stuff that we don't share on the show by signing up at theartofcharm.com. We'll email you our fundamentals toolkit that covers topics like body language, non-verbals, persuasion, business networking, public speaking, negotiation, and of course sales and selling. I'm also doing regular videos with drills and exercises to help you move forward every single week and those are also on that list. So. Don't forget, we've got our live programs running every week here in LA. In fact, we've got guys from all over the world which shows that no matter where you are, you can make it here if you want to learn and grow and I want to encourage you to join the Social Capital Challenge. It's about improving your social capital, your social circle, inspiring more people to develop a personal and professional relationship with you. Measure your influence. There's a lot of stuff that we threw into this. Theartofcharm.com slash challenge or text charmed to 33444. That's right. You can sign up with your phone. It's pretty cool. Text charmed to 33444 or go to theartofcharm.com slash challenge. It will make you a better networker. It will make you a better connector. And of course, I'll be there to help you every step of the way. So with that, let's welcome Bill Caskey and Brian Neal. You guys are super interesting characters because I'll admit, when I first heard, oh, we got these sales guys and they should be on your show and and apparently that's how Kim from Podcast 1 talks but when she books shows, but I was not thrilled, I'll put it that way, because when I think about and I'm sure I'm not the only one, when I think about sales guys, I think of Hey, my name's Bill Kasky. How you doing? All right, nice to meet you. Oh, you from Texas? Oh, me too. I oh, got a great car for you. You know, that kind of crap. Right. Or yeah. or one rung better, where they're like, Oh yeah, the stereo is so sweet, but it's only sweeter if you have this added onto it. Nobody likes salespeople when they come across as salespeople because right. it's just nasty. And when we think of sales techniques, which is the other thing that she said we were gonna quote unquote learn today, I was like, Ugh, no thanks. Because I think of the, well, if you don't buy it now, it's going to be twice the price next week. And it's like, look, man, no. I looked on the internet. I have perfect information about this product. You gentlemen teach salespeople, and frankly, anybody listening right now, to master the inner game mindset so that they're better at sales, and it crosses over pretty much 100% into life and everything else that you do, because it's, it's about and I'll let you flesh this out, more. it's much more about persuasion and relationships and being able to to help other people than it is about influencing them to get what they want.
2: Yeah, I right. agree to totally. Right. Yeah, it's impressive that you picked
1: that up,
0: too. Yeah, I'm very yeah. impressed.
1: I picked it up only because, <laughs> first of all, you guys talked to me and I thought, okay, these guys are likable, I don't like that, I'm gonna check into these guys, I like these guys, I'm not supposed to like these guys, and I looked at some of your stuff and I thought, oh okay, what you guys do, and I hate to brand other people, but it's very close to what Art of Charm does, except you apply it in a very specific way, Um, at least in some areas, not in everything, of course we we go all over the place and you go in a different direction, but when I think of being likable and creating a philosophy that helps people get ahead, whether at work or, or in other relationships. I mean, we definitely have that in common. So I would love to to hear about that. And yeah. And why is sales important? If I'm not a salesperson right now, should I just turn this off? Because this isn't relevant to me.
2: You know, there was a guy named Daniel Pink who wrote a book called To Sell is Human a couple of years ago. And I think he was the first guy to come along publicly and say, look, I don't care what you do, you're in sales. I don't care if you're hunting a job, hunting a spouse trying to make a sale to a customer, a prospect, account. Everyone is in sales to some degree or another. But I think what you just said, Jordan, is true, is that we look at that profession and we say, God, I, yeah, I'm in sales, but I certainly don't want to look like my dad's Pontiac. I don't want to look like that. So we're going to talk tonight a little bit about how do you, instead of how do you sell, how do you attract? How do you attract people to you? You're, you have a target audience. You either have a constituent base that you're trying to communicate your value to. How do you do it in a non-sleazy, wholesome, high-integrity way? And we think, Brian and I think, that if you do that right, you're going to make a hell of a lot more money than you are in the old way.
1: So basically, what you're saying and what is along the lines with Daniel Pink is everyone's selling no matter what and they just whether they realize it or not they're selling themselves maybe just not a
0: product a hundred percent of the time think about this just what Bill said if you let's say you're a computer programmer and you're working on a project and you've got an idea in the project part of your ability to get that idea across and get everyone bought in is to be able to show up in a way that allows them to receive your idea and almost sometimes either see it as theirs or collaborate with you. That's much more charming to people than someone coming in and trying to drive an idea down someone's yeah. throat. And right. Even trying to get a job. So some of your listeners that they've gotten downsized or whatever has happened, and now they're on an interview.
1: Yeah, there's a lot of young people too. One of the questions that we get a lot is, how do I sell myself uh, to my employers or to my prospective yeah. employers? So I, I'm definitely on, on board with you there.
0: Yeah, and think about this, because you brought it up, the younger people coming into the workforce and they're thinking, okay, how do I look good here? The millennial group is very into advancement. They really want to move forward. And too often they look externally at how do I do that? Bill and I would have them look internally and say, if you just show up a certain way and just be a certain way, the result part takes care of itself. But everyone wants to you know, look and say, okay, well, what, what exactly do I say? We teach people what to say for sure. Before that, though, we teach people how to be. Just how to be charming, how to feel and show up with better energy. That's the inner game side that you are talking about earlier.
1: Yeah, that that definitely makes sense. And and I'm, a, I guess, technically a millennial. There's a lot of, wait, what do I do? How do I say? How do I get this to happen? Yes. And there's definitely a place for that. But I think the wise, older, if I dare, generation has a good aim and a good sort of angle on a philosophy for getting things done that's completely yeah. different. And I, I would love to hear from you about... How your philosophy, if I can sort of dramatize the word here, impacts the words that you use, the way you communicate, the results you get, especially at the end of what you're trying to do.
2: Yeah, we have a, a model that we've used in the past, and it's the idea that if you want to get better results, you have to change the way you act. So if you want to get uh, make more money, get more clients, uh, advance through the company, get career promotions, you have to change how you act. But if you want to really change uh, your results exponentially, you have to change how you think. I come from a different generation. I'm a little older, a generation older than Brian. But we've talked a lot about nobody really sat us down when we were 24 years old at our first job and say, Brian, Bill, Jordan, let me tell you exactly what you should be thinking every time you go out to make a call in sales and leadership. We were taught what to do a lot of times, never taught how to think. And so that's what we want to get into today a little bit with your audience is this idea of how do you think in order to attract people? Because regardless of your audience, whether, again, we've said a dating audience, business audience, you are looking to attract people to you by how you are. And so we're going to get into that because I think all these five things are really part of an overall philosophy of attracting to you versus trying to persuade people.
0: Yeah. Because a lot of times, a lot of people that do we do also say, you know, you just need to think positive. Just have a good attitude. That's alone. We don't do that. No. Not we will all, flog
1: right? you if you say crap like that on this would show. Would you
0: please? Would you please? Yeah. This is about having a codified, very specific way to be that's internally focused, right? Uh, it's in a movie called Colors. and I'll clean it up for us. But, you know, the two bulls sitting up on top of a hill. Mm. A young bull says to the old bull, let's run down and mate with one of the cows. The old bull said, let's walk down and mate with all right. of Right keep that in very clean very clean clean yeah
1: Yeah. i was like i've heard this before but it sounded different
0: i know thank (laughs) you you were nervous weren't you right (laughs) yeah that story is all about swagger for me it's about internal swagger it's about having an energy inside of you and the other thing not just to uh, for bill and i to tell people what to have swagger but we actually to give it a name to give it some names underneath it so it's codified so people can understand it and grasp it better
1: we love codes. We love codified anything. So let's talk about that. I mean, the attraction versus the—I uh, don't know—the stampede method, if you will, running down the hill.
2: Call back to the cow. Yeah, I like bulls. bulls on the hill.
1: How do we? How do we make ourselves more attractive to our audience? Just to speak broadly, I mean, we talked pre-show about detachment, but I would love to hear more about that. It sounds like the cow or the bull, in the yes. one of them anyway, was very detached.
2: Yes. So here's what happens. We are born and we have this bundle of potential. And uh, if I were doing my good Deepak Chopra, I would talk about the human potential of all of us, but the, the human potential. And so we're, we're born with that. And then what happens is we start to have experiences and those experiences lead us to beliefs. And those beliefs that we start to acquire lead us to judgment, which is something is either good or it's bad. We kind of live in that binary culture. it's It's either off or it's on. So if I ask a girl out and she says no, we have judged that to be bad. If I try to make a sale and the customer says yes and I get the sale, I judge that as good. The problem is that the more we judge, the more we beat ourselves up when we get no's, and the celebrations don't last very long when we get yeses. So we prefer to say, well, let's talk about these outcomes here, these outcomes of yeses and no's, and let's figure out a way to detach from them. Because if I get a no, if I get three or four no's in a row, the fourth or fifth person I talk to, I may not be in the best of mood because I have that reach back to, to my feelings. So, of Yeah, we like to think of the outcomes as neutral. Whether she says yes or no, whether the customer says yes or no is just an outcome. You have to detach from that because the instant you get attached to a yes, you will start to configure your process weirdly and it'll start to become stalking it'll start to become creepy you're not going to do the things that are really going to attract somebody so the first step in this whole attraction strategy is detach from any and all outcomes now it's easier said than done we'll get into how to do that but that's element number one yeah
1: that's so funny that that's one of your principles because we talk about outcome independence at the art of charm a lot less on the show and more at our live training boot camps because it can be kind of a tricky thing where people turn it into like,
3: I don't care about
1: anything, and That's they just run yes, ribshod yeah. through everything and ruin all their, their relationships <laughs> or whatever. I would love to hear you deconstruct why that actually works, because to play the counter-argument, to play devil's advocate here, the only thing I'm doing with my law degree right now, shouldn't shouldn't I want to have a clear goal in mind and focus on that, and if I think about it, I'll, I'm more likely to get it, because it was in that one book that they came with the DVD... You know what I'm talking about? (laughs) I I want the Ferrari. That's the outcome I want. So I'm going to meditate on this and I'm going to open my garage and one day it's going to be there. As anyone listening knows, I hate that. Why is that (laughs) not the way to do things and why, even my exaggeration, of course, given, why can't we think of this as a goal and and achieving a goal? It seems counterintuitive. Great question.
0: Great yes. question. So I'll tell you a personal story that might help put this into perspective here. People often confuse. And even when Bill and I teach our own clients, people get really confused. They get this detachment thing confused with not caring. And it couldn't be further from that. We care immensely. We are just not in the moment of things wrapped up in the outcome that's about to be. So here's the personal story. Um, I am a, a football referee and I referee at the highest level possible now in the National Football League. My goal when I started when I was 19 years old was to get in the National Football League. That was my stated goal. So that was my open the garage, and there it is. And they say, hey, Brian, come out in the National Football League. But I couldn't worry about that part. I had to only worry about the game that I'm working. So I never took my desire to referee the National Football League out on the field with me when I was refereeing a sixth grade peewee game (laughs) 25 years before I got into the league, if that makes sense to you. On the football field, we have a very common saying called play the next play. And what that allows you to do is compartmentalize the little outcomes along the way and the steps, knowing that if you do that and work each individual play to your, the best of your ability, in the end, you open the garage door and the Ferrari's there. Or in my case, in the end, you get the phone call and you say, hey, man, welcome to the NFL. So I never worried about that along the way. I always had it as a goal, and I never worried about it in the game that I was working. All I worried about was the play I was about to work.
4: Indeed.com slash charm. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need
3: Indeed. You're focusing much more on
1: the immediate results of whatever you do, namely the things that are
0: going to make you great versus someday I'll be great. You got it. Yes. I'm showing up to that play with confidence and detachment in that play. And I know if I do that, my brain will be clear, I'll make good decisions, and if I make good enough decisions, I'll eventually get the call to go to the bigs.
1: Okay, that's that's extremely important, and can we apply that to somebody who wants to, I hate doing the wealth thing, but let's say somebody wants to start a business, because a lot of people write in and they're like, I hate my day job, which is totally normal, and I want to start something, I'll often, I don't have time to coach individuals normally, but I'll often write back, why? Just to see if they hate their job and there's a manageable issue, or if they just don't have any passion, or if if there's something else. And the worst response, I just want to make money passively or some variation of, I want to live a different, more privileged lifestyle. And that's the only thing they mention, because yeah. that's such a huge, enormous red flag. I, I The people I know that are successful say things like, I'm gonna quit my day job, yeah, I don't like it, but I wanna build something that will help people regulate yeah. what they eat, that they can wear, right. and I've got tons of ideas, and I'm like, wow, yes. okay, they're not even thinking about the paycheck, yes. except when they, they daydream about it, when they're waiting for their prototype to come back from China, but they're not just chasing the dollar.
2: Yes, yeah, I think, Jordan, what you're talking about there, and we'll do the second one here, because they are kind of linked, and that is this idea of, well, if we say detached to the outcomes, What is the amateur really attached to? And a lot of times what we're attached to is what's in it for us, not what's in it for them. And so that's why we talk about this idea of have high intent. That's another attraction strategy. When you go into a Brian with a football game in sixth grade or in the Mac or in the Big Ten or me, if I'm calling on a prospect or a client, my intent is to take care of them, not to make money because i know if i'm going to take care of them at the best possible way i'm going to solve their biggest possible problem and get paid handsomely for it i will make enough money but the instant my intention goes to what's in this for me how am i going to you know fill my pockets up with cash now guess what customer feels it Yeah. Customer feels it. I give off a vibe of, you know, I'm asking you questions, sir, but I really don't care because I'm really interested in closing you on this sale. And it's so apparent when we get called on by that person. So high intent is that idea. High intent is where our focus is on the customer and their pains or our target audience. In this case, low intent is where our focus is only on us. And nobody will admit that they have low intent, and yet every time you get called on by a salesperson, you can feel it. It just it just reeks from their skin that they don't really care so much. All they care about is the sale.
0: Yeah. If you ask anybody, ask anybody that's going to try to get a job, what's your intent? They're going to say, my intent is to look good so I get the job. Yeah, right. They're dead on arrival in our book. They're dead on arrival. The intent should be to have good, open, balanced conversation to share their story and to vet the other side, to make sure it's the job that they want. Now it's charming, right? If I try to get you, you're gonna feel it and run away. That's not charming. If I create healthy space with my language and my energy and allow us to collaborate and be in
2: the middle, It'll be very, very charming. It's very attractive, and you will leave that interview, and that employer will huddle with their people, and they'll say there was something about yep. Jordan. There yes. was just something about yeah. him that I liked. The way he showed up. The way, the way he showed spoke. up. Yeah, you know, he doesn't have the great point that uh, Brian Neal does. Jordan, but man, that <laughs> Jordan—that <laughs> was that undefinable something about him, and that's what they'll say, and that's what we teach in our programs.
1: Yeah, this exclusively seems to come from guys. And I think it comes from getting trampled on and or bullied and or somehow made to feel indignant by <laughs> yes. maybe the opposite sex. I won't get too far into it, but there's, <laughs> there's this weird mindset of like, I really don't give a, a crap. I don't care about what anybody thinks of me and I do what I want and I take what I want. They don't necessarily run around yelling that, but that's the mindset that they have. And when you get upset with them for being a totally insufferable a-hole, they counter <laughs> with... But I don't care because somewhere, somewhere on the internet, they learned not to give a crap. And that's like modus operandi for life. And somehow that trickled down from successful entrepreneurs who were doing it tactfully in a way that says, like, don't worry about other people's judgment. You're going to have naysayers all the way on down to like the the formerly downtrodden who are now trying to be these so-called alpha guys. (laughs) And they're just throwing their weight around. And what's really unfortunate is when they go around acting like they don't care, when one goes around acting like you don't care at all, the, the phrase is really just, I don't give a fuck, right? The truth is, you give so many fucks that you don't you let it run your whole life.
0: Yeah, yeah. I, I'm, amen. Yeah, that is a huge, huge point that everyone listening to this has to understand. What is possibly charming about saying I don't give a fuck? The point is, it seems like it's very puerile. It's very childish to me in my book, right? It's very immature. It's an immature way to be because it seems tough on the outside and it's not tough at all. As you mature and get into the workforce and, and, look, and as, as you're maturing through the dating process, I think people that do that attract really weak other people. Because people that are attracted to people that are real cocky like that and I don't give a shit people, they're super weak on their own. And now you're matched up with someone that's very weak. And I think that is awful. That's a really bad deal. So whether it's a disaster. Yeah, it's a guy. So if you come in like that to me and I'm a weak boss, I'm like, I'm going to hire Bill because he's a tough ass. Right. Because I'm a pansy. Right. So I'm going to hire him because he's going to be a tough guy. That will never work in my book. We're too mismatched.
2: You know, Brian and I work with a a fair number of CEOs as clients because they bring us in to work with their teams. And when I think about the people you work with that I know, the people I work with, the CEOs are never like that. No, they are generous. They are congenial. You're real. If you say, look, uh, Bob, I need to have you. Hey, come on in, Bill, man, anytime. Let's let's talk. Let's go out to lunch. And so it's that weird thing about the highly successful people are never like that. What is it that makes people think that they are so i got to do that whole yeah. i don't give a damn thing big myth that's a big myth mm-hmm.
1: that's good to debunk this because a lot of people listening are like that's what i've been doing wrong i've been giving too many fucks you know <laughs> and then they suddenly have they they swing the pendulum over to the other side yeah. and they become awful and and we get a lot of people who've swung out of that as well where they go look i became this insufferable guy I don't know how to repair my relationships because that stuff is damaging to normal, like you said, normal people, they will not hire you. You're going to lose even family members out of your social circle and your friends are gonna all suffer because of this because you have that negative effect on everyone.
2: Absolutely, Mm -hmm. agree. The third attraction strategy, if we want to move to that one, yeah. is that uh, we've probably all been in, in discussions and conversations with people, whether it's at cocktail parties or in business, where one person is just insufferable. And it may be the IDGF yes. guy, IDGF. or it's my clean way of saying I like it. Or it could be just somebody that you've met where the conversation and the interaction is imbalanced. Either one person is coming at the other person or one person is talking too much. So, step number three in this attraction checklist is, Be mindful of creating a balanced interaction where it's a discussion. It's a collaborative discussion, not a one-way pitch. And that's what happens a lot of times if we've been called on by a sales amateur Mm -hmm. or amateur, as we say in Indiana, is this idea that, well, the the person is here to pitch me. And once you enter into that pitch mode, if you're trying to communicate and persuade your target audience, you lose people because nobody wants to be pitched on anything. So you've got to be conscious of how do I balance this interaction between pitching and just having a conversation, finding out what the needs and problems of the person are, tell them a little bit about your solution, balance, balance, balance. Mm
1: -hmm. Well, good. I appreciate the collaborative idea, but how do we do it? Versus pitching somebody, whether it's a sale, a job, or a relationship, how do we not pitch but make it collaborative? Do you have specific languaging that we can actually use? You want to role-play yeah, it? Okay, it we'll
0: role-play it.
2: So we're, we're not prepared this. So. Can I be
0: you? Or can I be the – You can, be, can, can I be, you be you and you're me. Okay. <laughs> yeah, that's a song. I'm the NFL referee now. <laughs> that's a great uh, – can I be you? Uh,
1: that might be confusing.
0: And this also bleeds into our fourth element here too. So let's go ahead and put that on the table too. So the okay. fourth element of the attraction checklist is set the stage up front. So set the stage up front is doing just that. It's creating the communication space tactically so that I have a good, open, collaborative environment around Okay. And I'm also going to put balance in there. So if I'm talking to Bill for the first time and he's a CEO thinking about hiring me in to be his sales coach for a sales team, I say, Bill, first calls for me typically go the same way. The idea uh, here is to share back and forth. You tell me things about I'll ask tons of questions, that sort of thing. Um, I'm an open book, so I'll tell you everything that you'd like to know about me, my philosophy, how I work. The intent is pretty pure. I want to see we want to see if I'm right for you, if you're right for me. And uh, this is collaborative in spirit for me. And um, we'll see we land where we land, right? Mm-hmm. So we'll do that. And then um you got anything else,
2: you know, fire away. That's okay, there. that's Once fair. So then I would say to that, if I'm the customer, I'd say, oh, okay, I mean, that sounds good. I've got some questions. Like, I want to know how much it is. I want yeah. to know uh, who you've worked with. When do you want to talk about that? Perfect. Well,
0: absolutely. Let's we'll make a list right now, questions if we can. So, okay. we can make it all out. so we're just going back and forth. And to say, we're going to talk about all those things eventually, or say, tell you what, why don't I, I'll give you 90 seconds on me, high level, you give you 90 seconds on you, high level, and then we'll do some of the Q&A stuff. Is that cool? Mm-hmm. We'll definitely talk about the money, the process, all that jazz. We'll get all of it
2: out. At the end, we'll say yes, no, or maybe, and we'll land where it lands. And we're out of roll for 10. Yeah. In this process, there is no pitching. There, there, no. There is, pitching is a thing of the past. I know there's a lot of podcasts on the pitch, the ultimate pitch, the unbelievable pitch, but I don't think pitching – especially when you're selling and when you're in this kind of relationship. Now, if you're pitching venture capital and you're in front of a room and you're trying to get $40 million, that is a pitch. And that might be a little different, although not much. Mm, but know. when you're face to face with another human being, enough with the pitching. People don't, you don't want to hear it it, it. it forces me away from you. That's the exact opposite of the way you want it to happen. You want me to be attracted to you. Yeah. So stop the pitching and set that stage up front. And you notice Brian's words there. And we would recommend you use this even if you're going on a brand new job interview. Yeah. Say, look, I appreciate you inviting me in for this interview. I don't know if I'm the right candidate for you or not. I don't know if you're the right company for me. Let's talk a little bit. I'll share my story. You share yours and let's see where this goes. Yeah. It's very uh, disarming. And that's where you start to develop strength.
0: Yeah. There's another communication tool here in the balance that you have to be aware of because you have to be a little careful with this that it doesn't come across sometimes as potentially yes. too yeah. weak or too yeah. far Capital, back. Yeah. yeah and not caring. So um, you might even say, so if I were talking to Bill and he was a CEO, i say look, uh, in the end, you could talk to six other sales coaches. Um, once you talk to us for 30, 40 minutes, you'll know exactly which one should work with your people yeah. and you should pick that. If you interviewed my clients, they would all say wonderful things about me. I've been with them for seven years on average. They would say the guy is phenomenal. He's lifted my company up and changed my sales culture. They'd all say that the ones that I'm with now, you can also find a couple from my past that wouldn't say that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So you hear the balance there. We go forward and a little bit back. So, right. I, I always say like, it, this comes from my football referee. And so when I go on the football field on a Sunday, I have to operate at the confidence cocky line. I have to have the confidence line right up to where it meets cocky and never cross the line. And if I ever feel myself across the line, I got to pull back. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. How do you know when you're there? And how do you know the I don't
1: care guy, he's straight into cocky a million years ago. How do I know when I'm confident and not cocky versus how do I know when I'm there and how do I know when I slip out? What kind of feedback?
0: Yeah, that's great. You will always grab feedback from the other person you're communicating with and they will tell you. They will tell you exactly. As soon as the hair, and everybody knows this, and the hair stands up on the back of their head or they say something or they give you a look and Bill can do it and go, now what now? you know, he could ask me some question as a CEO and say,
2: well, I wow. might say, well, like you yeah. just did that. I might yeah. say, well, it doesn't sound like you want to sell me very bad. Yeah. It doesn't sound like you're that committed to your process. Yeah. So now I've said something that's caused it's him caused to say that, right? So
0: I've got to pull that back a little bit. Say that certainly wasn't my intent.
2: What was it that I said that, that made you say that? Well, you said that, uh, you know, you weren't sure if we were a fit because you didn't know me yet. Yeah. And, uh, and you don't know me yet, but I'm hoping you are a fit. Yeah. Let
0: me rephrase that and see if I can frame it up for you better.
2: If I don't, tell me. Let me know. All right. Mm-hmm. So the
0: intent here is I never want to assume that I'm the right person in all situations. Because if you sit here and talk to me for 20 minutes, you you may hope that I am, but there may be something I say or the yeah. way that I am. You got you'll be like my salespeople would never buy into you. Yeah.
2: So, so if that's
0: the case, I don't want to do the deal, and neither do you.
2: Out of role for a yeah, second. So the the answer was. is that you have to play off what's happening. I mean, yes. a great quarterbacks will say, you know, I can have the best game plan, but I got to deal with what the defense gives me. Always. You know, game plans. Uh, <laughs> what's this old Tyson thing? You can have a plan, but once you get hit in the face, plan, right. plans plans has gone. It's <laughs> um, now the
0: Rondi Rousey rule, isn't that true? Isn't that true? Isn't that true? Oh yeah. You say that next.
2: Yeah. yeah. So anyway, that's the answer to that. So step four is that setting the stage up front like Brian did. And that goes for any kind of communication, dating, meeting somebody at a bar, you know, being in a network environment. That whole setting the stage, it takes 30 seconds and it's 30 seconds that nobody does. Yep.
1: That's interesting. How do I know if I've been too cocky and not just not confident enough?
2: You're focused on yourself, not on the other person.
1: So feedback-wise, what happens? They start to tune out in the conversation or they start to. Absolutely.
0: Okay. I would always take the cue from the other person. They will so always, react. They will yeah. react. And, yeah. and oftentimes, if they throw a jab at you, it's like you get back in your corner jab. That's what I did. I, yeah, you, yeah, what yeah. you did. you. Yeah. So you don't sound like you're very interested in this. If it, if it comes at you, it's like a verbal dart. Think of it that way. That should be a cue that something's up, mm-hmm. right? They don't all of a sudden appear open. They feel like they're on the attack. Ah, uh, that's interesting. Usually people come on the attack verbally when they feel like they've either been attacked or they're trying to pipe you back down. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, that makes that makes sense. Right, exactly. Otherwise, it will be an open, free-flowing conversation.
0: Right. It should feel right. effortless to both parties when it's working.
1: Right, yeah, effortless, effortless is actually a, a great way to look at it. If it feels like you're trying to do too much convincing or they're not playing an equal part in the conversation, there's something wrong.
2: Stay right. On. We have talked in the past uh, on the podcast a little bit about this idea of okay, not okay. And it was a pop psychology concept back in the early 70s. But the fact is, it's I have a simple mind. So it's really simple for me to understand people are always striving to be okay. And if you say something that makes them not okay, they'll tell you. And what we just did in that role play is he said something that made me not okay. And I told him by challenging him by throwing that dart. So if you find somebody is in that situation where they throw a dart at you or they just have a weird reaction, you have made them not okay for some reason. And uh, don't take them to therapy, just recognize what you've done and you need to figure out a way to bail yourself out.
1: Okay, excellent. All right, back to the show. So let's talk about a language framework like we talked about earlier that that people can use immediately in their next meaningful conversation, whether it's with their wife, their girlfriend, their boss, or their potential boss, or anybody who's important to them, because that's a lot of what people are are tuning in to deal with is, how do I get expert people skills to deal with important stuff that I inevitably come across and either screw up or sometimes get right and don't know why?
2: We believe that it is up to you, it is up to your listeners and to you to control the process. You cannot rely on somebody else controlling the process. So let's say that you're a manager and you want to bring two or three of your people together to talk about a project or to get their input. You wouldn't just start asking them questions. Hey, Brian, what do you think about this? We're thinking about doing this. You would say, guys, thanks for coming in today. Let me tell you why I've invited you in. I'm looking at doing a project and I, I'm going to need some help. I'd like to ask you all some questions, get some input from you. I'd like for you to ask me questions maybe about why we're doing it. And then we'll, let's spend 30 minutes and let's just get some whiteboard ideas. Let's bullet point some things on the board. And then at the end, we can decide what the next step is. One next step might be that we get together again. One next step might be, you know what? This is not a good, as good a project as I thought it was. So in one minute's time, you've laid out the entire procedure. Now everybody knows exactly what's expected of them. So that's an example of setting the stage up front for an internal meeting. Anytime you have a meeting with a manager or a boss where it's significant, where there's actually something going on, you need to set the stage up front.
0: Yep. Another example, let's do the example yeah. where I'm going in to ask for a raise because a lot of oh, people wonder, how can I ask for more money? So that's instead of going in and say, hey, Bill, can I talk to you for a second? Yeah. Hey, I wanted to um, talk about my pay plan. As soon as you say that, the person's like, okay, <laughs> oh, here we go. Okay, yeah. I know where this is you going. Budget cuts, exactly, man. Exactly. Right. So his body language is like, over. like, front oh, God, he's playing the boss. So what I would say instead of say, hey, Bill, um, I want to come in and talk to you about something and get your perspective on it. I know sometimes it can be it's kind of a touchy subject, right? So I just wanted to lay out a couple of ideas and things that I was thinking about. I want to get your input on them and I love your guidance on how you think I should handle this thing I'm going to tell you about. Okay. That's a version, right? So that's a, that was a little choppy, but that's, you know, I the point is I haven't said what it is yet. So i comes like, yeah, sure. Or, hey, I want to get
2: your input. But you set the stage. Set the you stage set the stage. stage. In 30, In 30 seconds, seconds. I counted. Yeah. Time yeah. You, 30 seconds.
0: Yeah. And you got to give that a name. We'll call that on the podcast the upfront agreement sometimes. We'll say that's what it is. So if you're going to have a meeting, the practical application here is, what does my upfront agreement sound like? I sketch it out. I don't script it out. I, I sketch the framework out. Because mm-hmm. we're also not a fan of scripting around here, Rags right? that that's contrived and robotic. I say, what do I want, how do I want to set the stage? From old speech class, from high school, right? You learned a common public speaking process, which is tell them tell what them you're them gonna what you tell them, them yeah. tell them and tell them what you told them. All we're doing is tell them what you're gonna tell them.
1: So how do we set this up in the beginning of maybe a less formal conversation, something personal? Like what if I have to tell my girlfriend something awful? And how about this? Um, something that a lot of people can relate to, because we all have friends, but hopefully a situation that doesn't happen to too many we borrowed your car and it got hit in the parking lot or we hit somebody else and now we have to tell you about it.
0: Yeah, that's good. So Why don't you I'll, give it a I'll, I'll shot at it I'm, and then I'll give it a shot. Yeah, we'll, we'll give it a shot here. So so I, I borrowed Bill's car and I, it got swiped in the parking lot, right? So I'm, I'm coming to talk to According I, yeah, to you. Exactly according to me. Yeah, right. Say, uh, hey, I need to talk to you about something and it's not great news. You got so my keys, by the way. I <laughs> do. So I'm gonna tell you what happened. We we'll get something we got to talk about, and then I've got some ideas on how to handle it. And again, you're not gonna like it. My hope is that I'm not gonna make you happy. I know that I'm just gonna make you as happy as we can be. And I'm also gonna tell you that I'm gonna handle the issue. All right. So here's what happened. We're in, the, and now I'm going to the story. Mm-hmm. See that? Mm-hmm. I just yeah. set up. I get them. Yeah. I get them safe. I just try to get them safe and just yeah. hold them. Just hold them safe. And then I go into the subject as opposed to going, hey,
2: man, bad news. I wrecked your car. <laughs> yeah. What?
0: yeah. You wrecked my car. Like, what? And he flips off the handle.
2: Or sure. trying to go the other way where, you know, it's only a no little scratch. It's exactly. really not a big deal. Yeah. I think you have to meet, and, and this is the key here, you have to meet people where they are. Yeah, that's good. And so if you're going in for a raise, your boss is going to be skeptical. So you have to be skeptical if you're going in to tell your friend about the uh collision, Correct. they're going to be upset. So you've got a mirror upset. Yep. You're upset because you didn't want this to happen. No. But you ha- you have to set that stage up front. So I like that. I don't know if that I can improve on that. Perfect. You're, you're the guy
0: can
2: Oh, I don't know. I think the key with setting the stage is just is a upfront understanding of what the conversation is going to be. So if you're going to go home and talk to your wife about going to see a movie, Honey, I heard about a movie today. I was listening to Art of Charm, and they talked about a documentary. I don't know what it's like. Would you be open to talking about seeing that tonight? It go. sounds really good. Yeah. I don't know. Great. She will say, you know what? I hate, oh, My wife does. I hate documentaries. <laughs> okay, hon, huh? that's fine. Yeah, What do you want to see? Yeah. Well, she'll come back five minutes later and say, well, what was it about? Yeah. Now we're starting to have a dialogue. I don't have her. I'm not trying to convince her. But when you plant that seed up front, it comes back. It does. Really good, which is a true story. I always bring home a documentary, and she's like, oh God, another documentary, and then about 10 minutes later, Well, what, what was it? What's about apes? Okay, good, let's do it.
1: Excellent, well, the only place that you can get the communication checklist that you guys just sort of broadcasted is right here. We'll offer that up in the show notes as well, and there's, there's one final point here. What amateurs say and sound like, and how to be more professional in your work, I would love to go over some sort of common mistakes because a lot of people right now are going, ah, uh, this is not okay episode, but I feel like I do that already. And I feel like this is the point where you go, well, if you're doing it this way, it's it's bad for these reasons. And they go, oh no, I'm totally doing all those things. That's what I usually learn when I do interviews is, ah, I got this, and then what amateurs, what, what does it sound like when you do it wrong? And then there's a really good imitation of me right then.
0: I would also say anybody that listens to your podcast is listening to it for a reason to improve themselves. And I know that not every episode is going to be great for them. But I will tell you this, and this, again, comes from my experience in refereeing at at the highest possible level on the planet, is that growth for the expert, growth for the pro is at the margin. And there is always something marginal in every episode you do. So anyone that catches themselves saying, I already do this, had better look themselves in the mirror again and say, do I really want to be a pro? Because every pro that I deal with and I'm on the football field with every Sunday, they never look in the mirror and say that. They never look in the mirror and say, I already do that. Yeah. They're always yeah. looking for an edge. So
2: that's just a little commentary you,
0: for that. You, know, you I mean, can
2: say, you know, I think I do I that. Think I, do, I, I think I'm go. pretty good at that. But yeah. I don't know now that Brian does what that. You know, one thing that you can do is, and we've all got the phones, although if you're on the phone, you can't record yourself. But record yourself in a circumstance like that. And yeah. you don't have to, don't put it online. Just record yourself. And you will start to hear things that you do that you had no freaking idea you did. Yeah. And Jordan, I know when you listen to your podcast, probably when you first started, if you're like us, we hoard the idea of listening to ourselves. But after you do it a few times, it's a great lesson in what you do wrong and how to improve. And I think it's the same thing here is tape yourself, just record yourself and you'll start to hear, oh boy, I wasn't very detached there. I really kind of came at the person there. Geez, I didn't think I did that.
0: Now, let's go and answer your question directly though. So what are some things that amateurs do or say that we think are common mistakes? The first thing is, is whatever the subject of the conversation. So we've used a couple here. I'm going to job interview. I'm going to ask for a raise. I'm going to try to sell something, sell an idea, ask a girl out. Most people will tend to dive into that in an awkward spot, so they'll do some rapport building. Like, hey, Bill, yeah, what's going on? Yeah, okay, good. Did you have a good weekend? Yeah, I did. Yeah, okay, yeah, good. Kids, did your kid? Yeah, did your kid have a? Did your kid win the basketball game? Uh, he yeah, couldn't okay.
2: play. He was injured.
0: Okay, well, um, hey, I want to talk to you about my pay plan. <laughs> it goes like that, that's right? right? It's very I said he was injured. Did you I hear did, me? Exactly. <laughs> that's the point. Like, they're all uncomfortable with it because they don't know how to start. Because That's
2: okay because they're thinking about themselves, exactly. not the other human.
1: It goes back to the outcome th- sort of dependence. Exactly. Totally.
0: Totally. exactly. And, and I'm just detached from it. So instead, I can do that rapport building stuff. And so then after the basketball, now I can go what we taught earlier. So I can say, hey, I want to talk to you about a subject. Uh, a little uncomfortable for me. This is the first time I've ever done this and talked about with this with anyone. So I wanted to lay out what I was thinking, get your perspective on it, uh, ask for a couple of things and, and pieces of information from you, and then you can kind of tell me, hey, I'm on the right track. Yes, I can. No, I can't. Anything in there will be helpful. So you've relieved the pressure I know, now. You know all the pressure. No now no I can pressure. Say, I want to talk to you about my pay plan. Yeah. And it's t- received totally different. So the biggest mistake they make awkward and uncomfortable report building because they're so nervous about what they're going to talk about they don't know how to start and then they dive in right out of the gate in the most uncomfortable spot like when the boss said my son got injured and I go well, I want to talk about my paper. Yeah. yeah or
2: here's what else could happen if you have another minute and that is, let's say that you come in and ask me for a raise and I say, you know what, budgets are tight. No, I, I just I'm sorry, Brian. I appreciate the work you do. I don't have anything else to give you. Yes. We automatically then say, well, we were rejected. Not necessarily. No. What if Brian then comes back to me and says, you know, Bill, I appreciate it. I understand things are tight. Look, here's the deal. Over the next 90 days, if there's a special project that you have, something that I could do maybe part-time or overtime or something like that, I would be very open to that. Beautiful. And the boss is going to say, well, I'll keep that in mind, but no promises. And I guarantee you three weeks from that, he'll call you in and say, hey, I just thought of something. Yep. And it'll be better having done that than getting a lousy 2.5% raise Amen. because now you have an opportunity to shine in a different way. So this gets back to this detachment thing is you might have left that conversation thinking – I failed. I didn't get the raise. Yep. You might have left it succeeding because now you've planted the seed. Yep.
1: Excellent. Are, are there more of these? Cause I actually like these like another super common oh, one.
0: Absolutely. Here's a super common one. People are a lot of these conversations we're talking about are uncomfortable for the person delivering them. The things like telling my buddy, I wrecked this car, asking the gal out for a date that I work with. Cause I think she's cute and hot and we talk a lot at work, but I've never crossed the line asking for a raise. They're uncomfortable. So the other thing is the avoidance avoidance of the subject itself. Right. And so I go and I go to talk to Bill and I say, how was the weekend? Good. And say, so um, I came to ask for a raise. Remember, so then I go, um, hey, I just wanted to check in with you and just see what you thought, how I was doing so far. Yeah. And Uh, um, you're doing okay. Why? Why? Good. I was just uh, wondering. Just just walking I, I, by your office. Oh, wait, yeah, office? I, I, wondered, I wondered if you thought, you know, just generally speaking, if there's anything I can improve upon or anything you thought that I need to be working on or anything like that. And I just keep going down this path of avoiding the subject. Yeah. And then I do an oh, by the way, at the end, right? So I do that kind of uncomfortable stuff. And then I'm like, oh, by the way, and I don't know if it's possible or not. But I was wondering if it might be possible if I could maybe perhaps <laughs> – it feels like that
1: oh yeah that's awful i'm cringing right now just hearing you yeah, go you through are, this. Of course, cause
0: it's and what, wobbly it's weak and you all feel for me because you oh, i've been there we've probably all been there and the people listening and be like oh my god i just did that last yeah. week like
2: and it, the boss knows exactly what you're coming in yes, for when you start exactly. that. He knows exactly where you're going with exactly
0: right. And so that's a real common mistake, just avoiding it and rambling through it and not. So you heard when I when we roleplayed earlier, good context statement, building a lot of context around what we're going to talk about. And then I go, I came to talk to you about my pay plan. Boom. Mm -hmm. And I just I I have this phrase I teach people, I say, let it hang. So I say to Bill, I came to talk about my pay plan. Truth. Freeze. Mm -hmm. Right. And let it hang. And Bill's like, what's your question about your pay plan? Now we're collaborative. Now we're back and forth. We're in balance. All the other things we talked about.
2: Mm -hmm. Excellent. That's good. That's a really good one. I've got another one here that amateurs do. I think what, you know, we've talked about this idea of detachment, but really what it really is, is surrender. And it's the idea that I'm going to surrender to whatever happens. If I'm going to go out and call on someone, I'm going to just surrender to the gods of sales or the gods of business to have happen What happens Uh, other Byron Katie wrote a book called love. What is I heard Jack Canfield talking about it the other day. It's one of his favorite books. And it's the idea that what other choice do you have but to love what is? Mm -hmm. You can't change what is, so you might as well love it. So I've got to go into these circumstances with total surrender that, you know what, whatever happens, happens, but I'm not myself if I don't at least put myself out there, whether it's, again, uh, dating or sales or marketing or leadership. And so that idea of total surrender is very foreign to people, and it sounds weak, but it's extremely powerful because now you're not attached to any of the outcomes and you can be totally present. I can be totally present with Brian if I have no obligation to the outcome.
1: That's a really good point because otherwise I would imagine the way that you guys work, these things change direction a lot and you don't know what the outcome even should be some of the time. It might evolve.
0: That's beautiful. You said that Jordan. And that is the beauty of the process of communication that we teach here because what happens is you will then discover something that you didn't even have on your radar then. Right. So you had this ask for a raise on your radar and what you walk out with maybe a whole new pay plan that allows you to get even 50% more right. than what you were gonna ask for in the first place because you created the space, yeah.
1: We've had boot camp alumni who come through our live training do things like this where they come back and they they go, I'm gonna ask for a raise, It's I'm, I'm long overdue, and I'll check back in with them a month later or something and say, hey, did you go in and ask for a raise? And they go, you know what, I got a promotion. Uh, because right. I was oh, able exactly. to handle difficult clients. And I went in and said, look, I'm dealing with these difficult clients. Uh, I would like to talk about how that's compensated. And they said, yeah, I think you should manage these clients, not just be their contact. And so not only did they get a bigger than what they were gonna ask for a raise, but they ended up with a promotion, a better title to boot. And, and of course, upward mobility in a corporate structure is the name of the game.
0: Beautiful. And it's exactly what we've been talking about today. That client of yours from your boot camp. Was practicing high intent. I want to help these difficult clients. That's all about helping people around you, the company, the team, all that jazz. And look what happens. You get rewarded with really good karma back, promotion, and more money.
1: Well, great. Thank you very much, guys. This has been superb. We will obviously link to all of the Communication checklist in the show notes and to the Advanced Selling Podcast as well. Really appreciate your time and your insight. Very cool of you to take the time to break this stuff down. And and congrats on being able to because not many people can.
2: Well, Jordan, thank you. I appreciate. We are we're avid listeners to your podcast and keep up your good work too. Yeah, we love, love it. Love what you do, man. Keep oh, thank up. You. you.
1: Great stuff in this show. You know, the role play. Originally, I was like, they want to do role play. This is going to be so goofy and. uh I definitely think it worked really well because they can explain all these different concepts, but listening to the role play actually helps you deconstruct them. So I have a feeling this is gonna be one of those episodes where people either discard entirely or re-listen to at least the role play. And I, I love how this all applies to outcome independency, detachment, language frameworks, and counterexamples of what not to do, which for me have always been very helpful because I always think, I got this, and then I hear the counterexample and I go, wait a minute, that's me. What's the difference? And that difference ends up teaching me so much. So with that, I hope you enjoyed this one. Of course, if you did, don't forget to thank Bill and Brian on Twitter. We'll have that linked in the show notes as well as the other resources mentioned on the show. You can tap the album art in most any podcast player see the show notes right on your phone or your iPad. I'm also on Twitter at The Art of Charm. Our boot camps... Bootcamp.theartofcharm.com. We're sold out months in advance. So please, 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 if you're interested, get in touch. We'll send you the info. We'll get you rocking and rolling. Subscribe in iTunes. And of course, we've got the Art of Charm Challenge. Be a better networker. Be a better connector. Text Charmed to 33444 or go to theartofcharm.com slash challenge. Special thanks to the Jasons and Fogarty for their help in production of the Art of Charm podcast. Go ahead and tell your friends because the greatest compliment you can give us is a referral to someone else, either in person or shared on the web. Now have a great week. Leave everything and everyone better than you found them. Thanks for listening to The Art of Charm. Get more confidence, relationship skills,
3: life hacks, and more at theartofcharmpodcast.com.